On today's episode of Inside Startup Investing, you're going to be hearing from the co-founder and CEO of ModVans. His name is PJ Tezup, and he is a really interesting founder. I actually had the good opportunity to get to know PJ almost five years ago in October of 2018. That was the first time that he and I ended up meeting each other at a Start Engine event. And at that event, he started telling me about this business he was building called ModVans. At the time, it was really just kind of an idea on a piece of paper, and he was starting to test out whether there would be demand for kind of this new age, compact, custom RV camper-like van. And while the idea sounded really cool to me, I didn't really know where it was going at the time. But man, was I wrong. It turns out that there is absolutely a demand and a desire for this really cool van that PJ first created just for himself and realized there might be real demand for it in the market. Since then... He and his team have done some incredible things. First off, they've actually leaned into the regulation crowdfunding market and have raised a ton of money using Reg CF and Reg A+. And I'd say he's one of the pioneering founders who's really proven that you could continuously raise money in this market to drive growth in your business. So some of the big things that stuck out to me in our conversation is, is first off, just the amount of traction that his business has. Uh, they've done millions in revenue and have delivered well over 100 customized vans to date and are doing really, really well trying to meet all of the demand that they have. They, in fact, can't even meet the level of demand that they have right now. And that's one of the reasons they're raising is to lean into this growth and be able to create the capacity in their production systems to meet that high level of demand that they're seeing. The second thing that stuck out to me is that they're really planning their growth in a smart and intelligent way. Instead of getting ahead of their skis, they're building for the demand that they believe they can reach at the next level, not trying to overreach and think about demand they might have in five or 10 years and kind of bet the farm on the business when they don't need to do that right now. So they're being really smart about growing the business in incremental stages rather than trying to skip a few steps and grow 10 or 100x when they don't need to do that right now. And the last thing that I think is really interesting is that they're proving that this new category kind of in the RV camper space is a category that is real, that is significant, and can continue to grow in the years to come. There were certainly a lot of skeptics when he was starting this business, including myself, of whether or not there was going to be a segment of the market for what he was building. But he's proving us all wrong and doing a really good job of it. So with that, let's kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what ModVans is all about. Sure. I'm a software entrepreneur. I've been involved in startups my whole career, uh, different kinds of enterprise. I did enterprise. I did consumer. Um, my last big exit was for a network security software company that got up to 200 employees and sold out to private equity. So so that was that my background leading up into ModVans. I built things for myself. Um, and so uh, that's part of the ModVans story is building the first van for myself. But I didn't have a lot of hardware uh, experience. I owned a phone company at one point. So we bought a lot of hardware and installed it, but I didn't actually make a lot of that stuff. So I had a little bit of uh, relationship with configuring hardware and software together. But then in ModVans, um, my, my current startup, um, yeah, super deeply involved in hardware. We're building circuit boards, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, you know, in the back story of how I made that transition, as I was telling you, was I, I wanted a van. I wanted a camper van. I, I had tried a bunch of different things and kind of settled on camper van with a pop-up top and these certain features, and I couldn't find what I wanted. And I was between startups, so I was able to uh, have the, the the luxury, I guess you'd call it luxury. I had the, the, the ability to build one for myself, and I 
literally built the first, ended up becoming the prototype for mod vans in my driveway in Berkeley, California, uh, when I was between startups. And then it wasn't a prototype. It was just our own personal van. That was 2015. Um, 2017, uh, Lori and I moved to Southern California. Um, we were just looking for a change of scenery, a little beach life. And, uh, and I was trying to figure out what to do next. The startup work that I had been doing was kind of slowly tapering off, still paying the bills. And so I decided to build a website uh, and, and just put pictures of my personal van on it because I had been being asked questions about it for two or three years at that point. And so, uh, so that's what I did. I built a website and immediately got super positive feedback. Um, people saying that if I was to sell them, they would buy it. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, usually uh, it's the other way around. It takes a long time to figure out how to convince people to say that they would buy something. And, uh, and that was the beginning of Modbin. So I launched that website. I had a goal of five pre-orders with deposits. Um, I ended up with 10. And here I am, you know, five, six years later, 24,000 square foot factory, uh, 30 employees, you know, uh, built 160 of these vans, delivered them to customers all over the U.S. Unreal. So let's talk a little bit about the van. Uh, what custom things are going on in it? You said you made this kind of modded out van, but let's talk about what's in it, what makes it special, unique, and what types of people are buying these. Sure. So if you compare, like most people when they come to look at mod vans, they're like, oh, this is, you know, an RV and a class B RV, which would be a motorhome, you know, is another word for it. A, a van with camping features is another way to look at it. So, and that is essentially kind of under the hood what we built. But what I wanted for my own use was something that was more than that. I wanted something that was multi-purpose. And also I wanted something that would fit my family. At, at the time, I still had uh, two teenagers living at home. Uh, we had dogs and stuff. And so I wanted something that was a little more capable than what would be normally a van camper in, in, in the RV world, which would be a, a vehicle devoted to a retired couple, basically. And so I had these unique design features. That's what I call them, design features, because they weren't. there was no technology really involved yet. It was all kind of just like thinking outside the box about how to accommodate uh, more people in a smaller package and more flexibility. And so the design features I came up with was a pop-up top. So there's a top of the van that goes up and down. You can look at the website and see that. That's very prominent. Um, also inside the vehicle, um, I designed it to be modular because some trips were just me, myself. Uh, and also I, I, I was... I mostly rode my bike to work, but occasionally I'd take the dogs to work and I needed to have a vehicle. So and I didn't want to have a dedicated vehicle for that. So I wanted something that I could take a bunch of stuff out and it would just be me and my wife and the dogs or just me, me and myself and my buddies or whatever. But I wanted that ability to put seats back in it and take my kids to the mountains to go snowboarding. So I wanted this modular capability that I did put into that first van. And that's another thing that sets us uh, as unique today. There, there's no uh, like big production manufacturer building a modular vehicle. So those are what I call design features. And we have a long list of those. You know, we have a, a, a several patents now, uh, actually utility patents that have been awarded. Um, one for our pop-up semi-dry bathroom, another one related to the way the pop-up top works. So, so we did all these um, interesting design things. And I learned a lot about building <laughs> hardware and vehicles and manufacturing. But now we have taken all that and moved into you know, what I call the technology realm. So we have the biggest battery available in any production RV that I know about. It's over twice as big as anything, even from the big Winnebago's and all these giant big corporations, uh, their battery systems, even in their larger vehicles are less than half. And that's because I figured out this very unique way to build my battery as a one inch layer of the floor. Um, we wrote a ton of software, um, uh, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lines of code. And we put that on custom-made circuit boards that control everything inside the vehicles that we build. 
Um, so that battery has its own battery management system. It has an app, the ModBands app. So when you get into that vehicle, everything's being controlled by the ModBands app. And that was all built in-house. So um, normally, you know, a normal RV manufacturer, they would find vendors to make those things. And if they didn't exist, they would just say, well, we'll wait until a vendor makes it because we're not going to get involved in software and hardware. That's not our expertise. Uh, ModBands is more like, a, you know, a, a, this parallel uh, insults some people, but it's more like Tesla where we vertically integrated those components. Um, we see something that we want and we don't just throw up our hands and say it's too hard or we say it's going to take us 10 years. We're like, how can we do this and how can we do it fast and, and relatively affordable? And with that, um, we have you know, a long list of design innovations and then technology that's, that's beyond what's available in the marketplace. So right now we have uh, six different models. Um, each of our vehicles uh, comes in like an X, we call it the X series with the big batteries or a standard model if you don't want to pay the big bucks for the big batteries and then uh, three different sizes. So we have the original size that I built for myself, and it turns out there's a market for you know each of these different sizes because uh, I've just learned a lot about consumer behavior in the vehicle market, and definitely if people have the option to kind of get something that ever is so opinionated, it's crazy, and you know if somebody wants a larger van, but then I have this other guy who wants a smaller van, and then people who want something that's in between. So we have something a little bit for everybody within those markets, as long as it's on a, on a van chassis right now. Understood. So, I, I, and you got to go check out these vans because they're really, <laughs> really cool. Um, it, it sounds like you kind of have a, a, I don't want to say a wide variety, but definitely a variety of van options um, and modified options, so that you, you kind of have something for everyone. Is there a typical type of consumer that you see come through the door or is it a pretty wide variety of individuals? Yeah, so, so we actually look for this because early on, our investors were really like, you know, what is your target market? And, you know, we were kind of like scratching our heads like, well, I guess it's like us, you know, but um, so we we're trying to figure out we do have some retired couples that, you know, are even retired individuals because the, the van does fit. Um, you know, we just literally delivered a van to uh, two uh, individuals that are both you know, near retirement, I would say mostly active people, though. So people who, you know, their whole idea of a good time and in, in, in traveling is to mostly spend most of their time inside their vehicle, They're, they would probably buy something else to get a little bit more space for the money they get. Um, so our, our target market is people that have adventure in their plans, whether that's uh, hiking, climbing, um, you know, kayaking. These are the questions that we get is like, how do I fit all my toys uh, in your vehicle? <laughs> Those are the questions we get. So that's really the common thread. Within that, I would say our specialty, though, is families. So, you know, uh, traditionally, these vans have been really targeted towards retired couples because the big RV manufacturers, their attitude was like, well, there's no way you can squeeze enough stuff in a van to have more than two people in it. But that's not the reality. The reality is that in Europe, actually, the most popular camper van form factor is for four people. It's for a couple and their children. And so, um, and that's what I wanted for myself. And then once I built it, I was like, man, this thing's amazing. And people will see it. They say it's amazing. So our, our about 50% of our customer base is families with children. And so we have up to seven seats inside. Um, and then all of our vans come with two beds. You can add a third bed. So you can have all this stuff going on inside. Now, again, you know, people are thinking, oh, six people inside a van. That's impossible. Um, and, and the reality is you don't want to like just hang out inside your van, but that's not what these are for. These are for you go to the ski resort. It's wintertime now. People are wanting to go to the ski resort. You spend most of your day at the resort and then you just come back in, you know, to have snacks and, and to sleep. And then you get up the next day and you go find something else to do. What is the price point of these vans? Um, and you mentioned how many you sold, but can you kind of reconfirm that number? 
and talk a yep. little bit about your growth projections? Sure. So the total revenue, um, you know, from our, our lifetime revenue, they'll call it, is $15 million. And then we've delivered a, a, about 160 vehicles. It's a little more, that, you know, each of those numbers a little little more because we did those uh, did that math about a month ago. And, uh, you know, we're still delivering vans and, and making more revenue. And then as far as our projections, um, we are totally limited by production capacity. So a lot of people, you know, especially investors are like, what's your marketing plan? How are you going to, you know, scale the marketing? And, we're, and our kind of feedback is, oh, well, first we need to scale the manufacturing capacity. And we have scaled it. So we started off in 2,400 square feet with two employees, three, I guess. And uh, now we're up to 30 employees and 24,000. So we're literally 10 times the size we were when we started. We had an intermediate uh, space in between there that was 8,400. So, you know, about every three years we're tripling. But uh, that's artificial. That's totally limited by capital. Um, and so once we kind of can take off our, our gloves, so to speak, on the manufacturing production capacity side, uh, then we'll get to experiment with, you know, how do you market this thing and, and figure that out. So that's kind of where we are on customer deliveries. And then another, you know, question that we get from investors is pretty common is, you know, oh, these are just for, you know, rich people in California. Um, the reality is that we sell to customers all over the U.S. If you look at our map, it is literally, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Florida to Washington State, you know, you know, down to Arizona. So it's every corner of the U.S. It's spread all across Um you know, it's not evenly distributed. There are California still our biggest market for sure. Um, you know, but Texas is actually a, a big and growing market for us. And it, it's interesting because I don't think a lot of other um, normal RV van guys are, are really targeting Texas. And that happens to us because we sell direct and online. So anybody can just come to us. We don't we don't filter it that way. Um, and then uh, um, as far as price point goes, the most important thing to understand about mod vans, and, and I did this from the very beginning, is that our vehicles are meant to compete with a family SUV. So my goal is if you're driving an SUV around, let's say you're driving, you know, some of the most common ones would be, um, you know, any of the Toyota SUVs, you know, mid to large size SUVs, um, you know, Ford, of course, makes a, a bunch of them, you know, so these are the most popular vehicles in the U.S., 70% of all vehicles, 7 million units a year are SUVs and they're sent, sold to families. And so our goal is to replace that. So I need to have a cost structure that's very similar to that. So the way we did that was we went out and got certified as an RV manufacturer that gives us access to 20 year financing. So that allows us to have a higher price, but still be in that same dollar per month category as an SUV. And then there's some other interesting ways you can kind of bring that monthly cost even down below what you'd pay for an SUV. With that said, um, our lowest price right now is 107000 and then we do have builds, especially with the big batteries and the, the larger form factors that go all the way up into $260,000 is the most expensive one we've sold. It is a big difference. One of the things that really happened in the last few years is the, the base vehicle that we build on. We're a second stage vehicle manufacturer, so we buy cargo vans from Ford right now as our, as our chassis uh, manufacturer the base price is doubled. It's literally doubled in those five years. So that's pushed our price up. Our original, our first price was $65,000. And so I just told you 107 was our lowest. So we're almost double at the, the low point um, where we are now. And then the high point is, you know, way higher. Now the high point is driven by um, people that have a, a quite a bit of money. that are very serious about this purchase. That's a little bit different than kind of our target market, which is the, the, the SUV replacement. Now, when you talk about selling direct to consumer, I imagine with such an expensive purchase, and maybe I'm wrong here, they would want to be able to interact and, and see these vans in person. So are most buyers coming to look at the vehicle on hand, or are they actually ordering this online, you know, kind of sight unseen? 
You know, uh, the first few orders that I got when people just never saw the vehicle in person, I, I was just blown away. I was just like, you know, whoa, you just ordered a, a hundred thousand. It was, and now two hundred thousand dollar vehicle online with the, your credit card. What is that? What is what is that? So the answer is, it's as varied as the the different personalities. You know, I, I'm looking at our hairdos, right? I mean, we have totally different hairdos, and you know. You look like a person, you know, is like me. Is not too serious about their hair, right? I mean, not not to, not to, you know, that's the I'm right thing, there, right? It's not too serious about it. But some people are very serious about it. And if you look at just like the variety of hairstyles, you're just like, wow, man. There's so many people that make so many different choices about their hairstyles. It's kind of fascinating. And it's the same thing with vehicle purchases. You know, there's just, you know, so many different um, choices and prices and all that kind of stuff. So some people are able to look at the pictures online, watch the videos and make a $200,000 choice. It, it's unbelievable, but it does happen. Um, we do have a lot of people that are kind of in between. Maybe they go see a visit with a customer. Um, they do a Zoom tour. And then we have the hardcore people that are like, I must see one in person. And so we actually have several different ways that we kind of deal with that. But again, our, our limit is not marketing, it's production capacity. So as the production capacity comes up and we have more, then we can tackle more of these problems. We actually came out with, a, with what we think is the ultimate answer for us. Now it may work for other vehicle companies, but we're gonna eventually launch this program we call Vanbassador. And it came from, I'll tell you the little story. I, I had in my mind that we were gonna do showrooms like Tesla. That was my vision, and I wanted a showroom in Santa Monica. Now, we could talk about the why I wanted it there, but I, that was my, like, I need a showroom, and it needs to be in Santa Monica so people can come in that showroom, and they can test drive, they can sit in the vans. And I started doing the math of it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that showroom in Santa Monica is going to cost more than, like, our factory, and, it, you know, and I still have to put people inside of it. You know, I was just looking at the overwhelming expense of that showroom. And then Lori, uh, my wife and co-founder, she said, well, why don't we just, you know, they could just have a van, you know, you don't need a showroom. You just, and, and that was when the light bulb clicked on all our heads. We we're like, oh, we don't need showrooms. We just need people with our vans in strategic locations in the country. And then you, you, you make your appointment online, just like you do to go see a Tesla right now. You make your appointment online, then you show up at the Tesla showroom. But in this case, our van ambassador, that's what we're going to call him, is going to come drive and meet at a mutually agreeable location, ideally a public location. And there's some safety factors, but then they meet and, and we save, you know, $30,000 a month in, in, in rent. And, uh, and, you know, there's some other interesting things about the funding aspect, but I do believe that that model is 100% scalable. And what, I mean, what's cool about it is we already have people in locations all over the country. So, and, you know, they kind of, it works automatically by itself. There's people in the top markets because that's where our initial customers are. It's a really unique model. I, I think that's very, very smart. And I, I'm excited to see how that, uh, how that rolls out one day. Um, with this raise, uh, oh. What is kind of the square footage you can get to and what kind of capacity does that allow you to be able to handle in the future? So I, I think different people have different um, philosophies on raising money and like, you know, what their plan is and what they're going to do with it. Um, what we have decided to do is to take things in chunks. So we're not trying to build, you know, the Boxzilla. We're not trying to build the Vanzilla factory. Not, not this time. And I'm not trying to sell my investors on that's where we're going tomorrow. You know, like, oh, well, we have this intermediate stage. What I want to do is I want to build the next logical step for us. Right now, we're in a facility that's 24,000 square feet. I want to um, buy or lease about 100,000 square feet. 
Um, so, and I want to be able to build right now in the current location, we think we could build 10 to 20 vehicles a month. And the next location, I want to build 100 to 200 vehicles a month. I want to take that next logical step. That's what we're going to do with the money. And then after that, we'll raise more money and build something bigger. You know, we, we have a, a plan that goes past that, but, um, but we have it all staged out. And it's kind of um, more traditional, you know, the way um, traditional things work where you have, they call them milestones, and you, you, you prove out your business in s certain milestones. It could be that. Uh, we, we know for a fact that 10 to 20 is not enough you know, for, to, to meet the demand. It could be once we have the, the capacity for 100 to 200, we kind of learn that that's the, the, the maximum that this segment really supports. You know, we have in our mind that we could build 10,000 a month and still you know, find demand, but it could be that we're a little bit wrong with that. If I do it in stages, then I can kind of pause there and say, okay, this is where we are. Let's you know, see what it feels like to be a $100, $200 million a year uh, revenue company, and if we're satisfied with that, or we need to do something completely different, you know, instead of oh well, I bet the farm on the ten thousand vehicle a month uh, factory, and if I don't do it, the company's bankrupt. I think it's really smart. Um, it's certainly a thoughtful approach to building your business. Now, I know you've been you know raising money via Reg CF, Reg A plus over several years. You were kind of one of the early entrants to raising capital in this way. You and I met early on at a Start Engine event, and it's been terrific to watch your progress as a business, but not just on on the business building side, but also on the capital raising side. And I think you've been uh, a very wise capital raiser who's learned a lot about this industry along the way. Talk to me a little bit about raising capital in kind of this new, unique way um, that that you and I both believe in and how that's really enabled your growth. Yeah. So um, the first thing I would say is, you know, if any founders out there, you know, want like my kind of detailed take on it, the best thing to do is to reach out to me directly. I'm on LinkedIn, PJ Teza, you know, you, you'll, you can find me. I'm probably connected to Chris, uh, I think on LinkedIn. Um, there's, I'm a pretty easy person to get in touch with and I'm happy to share that experience, you know, the details of, of my experience. And it's really straightforward at this point. Um, uh, there's certain kind of businesses that, uh, I think the more common phrase that everybody knows is product market fit. You know, you have a product, it, it fits the market at a price point that makes sense. And then finally you have product market fit. Modvans had product market fit from day one. So, but there's this other thing called investor, you know, investor company fit. Right. And, um, and so we didn't have that as far as the VC thing goes. Um, VCs, uh, venture capitalists do not want to um, fund us based manufacturing um, and, and there's some legitimate reasons for that. I, you know, we could go into, you know, different things, but that's just not their thing. They, they want software startups, you know, they prefer uh, business markets because they're much safer. Um, you know, uh, the consumer markets are way bigger. So, you know, if you really want to swing for the fences, you pretty much got to go consumer. Um, I've worked in several uh, business, business SaaS uh, startups and, you know, the revenue always ends up at a million to $200 million a year. I mean, there's some exceptions like Salesforce, but they're, they're few and far between. So anyway, um, if you're looking for this investor uh, company fit, um, you know, you can look at the type of business you have and then kind of start making those educated choices about how you go. Um, and, and I've reevaluated that uh, uh, several times. And, and, and I will say that funding has been my biggest learning journey for this process because I thought it was going to fund like a software startup and it has not. So, um, yeah, we started off uh, as one of the very uh, earliest companies uh, using regulation crowdfunding. Um, on Start Engine, and um, it took us a while to figure out how to market it. And and I'll go back to the beginnings of Modvans. You know, those first uh, ten orders, uh, 
when they finally came, they came fast and hot. But it took me a little while to figure out how to do it, like how to reach people that are looking for what I have to offer. And it was the same thing with crowdfunding. Um, it took me a while to figure out how to reach uh, those people that would be willing to invest in something wild and crazy uh, like mod vans. And then once I did, you know, I was able to, to, that was scalable. You know, I was able to figure out the formula. And so uh, my plan after that original raise was actually to go straight. That was regulation crowdfunding. At the time, the maximum amount was a million dollars, which sounds like a lot. But when you're building camper vans, it turns out it's not so much. Um, the good news is we got immediately into revenue. So as I explained earlier, we have $15 million of revenue. So we were able to use that, uh, you know, to kind of fund the business as well. Um, so, but I had always planned to go straight into reg a after that success with crowdfunding. I was like, Oh, we need to go to reg a, we need to figure this out. But I had all this, uh, other pressure from other people that I contacted that said, Oh no, you should go back to venture capital. You know, they, you can find the right person. You can do this. And so I don't want to say those times were wasted, but I spent a fair amount of my, uh, uh, time and effort and energy trying to figure out the magic formula to unlock. Uh, venture capital, private equity, um, early stage IPO financing uh, for mod vans. And um, uh, I did learn a lot, but in the end, uh, I came up fairly empty handed. I came up with some angel investors that are great guys and they're on my cap table now. No complaints there. But as far as venture capital is a big zero. And, and, and you know, I kind of look at that as uh, how you say it, it's always disappointing when it happens. But then the other way to look at it is that it forced me to open the door of opportunity to this reg a thing, which we're doing, which I think is going to be very successful. I think it's the right way to fund mod bands. Um, and I think it's going to give us the flexibility that, you know, that we need and the fan base that really works well for us that you don't get out of venture capital. The reality is venture capital are probably the, 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 not the target market for mod bands as far as our product goes. So, uh, you know, those, the, the guys in Silicon Valley, they're kind of, I, I remember when I first presented to them, they're like, nobody buys vans dudes, you know, like this. Yeah. Yeah, Who do you think is going to buy this? Nobody is going to take out a twenty-year loan to buy a vehicle. That's that's insane. And uh, and you know, and, and I'm sitting here. You know, you can't argue with them when you're presenting, but you're like, uh, I hate to break it to you, but I have more orders than I can fill. And everybody's signing up for twenty-year financing. I you know, I I know that's how you feel about it. But anyway, and then you know, when I actually went back to present the second time to venture capital. Um, at, at that point they had accepted that vans were cool and they were like, cool, but still not fundable. So, uh, so anyway, th that's kind of the, the, the history with that. Um, there are a lot of caveats. If you're doing some super comp and this is where, you know, if you connect to me and, and I can share, if you're doing some super complicated business, business SaaS product, mm, regulation crowdfunding might not be for you. If it's really complicated and hard to explain, it's going to, you're going to work really hard to find a lot of small investors. Whereas if you have a product that's easy to explain, um, you know, and you can spend a lot of time focusing on the product itself, then I think it's more fundable. If you have, if you come into crowdfunding with a big base of users that are very enthusiastic and their success is tied in with your success, that's the perfect recipe for crowdfunding. I've seen some, uh, companies, you know, sell out their rounds immediately with that formula. So that, that's a, that's a level past mod bands in terms of investor, uh, company fit. Well, yeah, we, we certainly all know that venture capitalists, they just don't believe in investing in hardware, even though some of the best businesses and largest businesses in our country are hardware businesses. And yeah, it's pretty interesting. Microsoft's uh, consumer division well past the revenue of their corporate division, which I always find fascinating because you would never think that Xbox is like going to be big, but it's just humongous because consumer markets are massive, but they're, but they're risky. So that's, you know, that's the other side is like, you know, the, 
As we see right now, that you know, we have the market slow down. Everybody's like, oh my God, you know, interest rates are up and consumers aren't buying. And the, the, you know, the waves are stronger in consumer markets for sure. Well, at, at the end of the day, you're, you're proving it with actually having a successful business that's growing beyond your means and, and having to raise capital to be able to meet the demand that you have. So congrats on all your success. Congrats to all of your early investors who have been a part of your, your prior rounds and seeing your company continue to grow and continue to grow in value. I think that's terrific. Yeah, thank you. That's actually been one thing that we worked on with the Reg A that we could talk about this a little bit if you're interested. Um, that uh, So I made an investor home, which is like a kind of a dashboard where uh, one of the biggest questions I get from investors is like, how do I see that, you know, the value of my investment? And, you know, I made like a concrete way that people can log in. They can see the investments they've made because we've had three raises so far. This is our fourth raise. And many of our investors, I was just getting ready to write this article, they've invested in all four rounds. I mean, that's, you know, I'm very proud of that because they see what you're saying. They see that, you know, year after year, ModVans keeps putting out those updates. They keep making progress and they have basically the same plan they started with adjusted for the, you know, the, the realities of the market. And so they're willing to invest a fourth time. And so I made a dashboard where they can see all four raises and then they can see how, you know, each uh, increment in our corporate value as reflected in our stock prices, you know, it, impacting the value of their investment. And I got really positive feedback from that. That kind of like solved a, a, a pain point, honestly, with, with crowdfunding that you actually can do with, um, with, with King's crowd, for example, you can, I, I, I'm a King's crowd user. I actually have all my investments logged in there. And then, you know, you can go in there and say, Oh yeah, here's the latest offering price. And here's, you know, what the value is. But I just did it specifically for ModVans so that, you know, I had something concrete that, that I could give my current investors. And then also it kind of figured in with a Reg A because we actually wrote our own software for that. And so that dashboard ties in with that. When you make an investment on our Reg A campaign, that investment goes into your investor home, along with if you had previously invested in earlier rounds, they're all shown there together. That's awesome. Well, PJ, thank you so much for your time. Congrats on your success. If you're interested, you go check them out and invest in their current round of funding. Thank you, everyone, for listening.